All right, open your boxes. Open your boxes. One, two, three. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. This is a really special episode. I am really looking forward to this. At long last, I get to meet the individual behind the MILB Promos social media accounts. I am speaking with Jake of MILB Promos. Jake, how are you doing? It is a great night. Uh, nice day out and it's, uh, kind of kiddos are in bed, got some free time and thought we could catch up on a podcast. Fantastic. I love this so much. I've been following you for a decade. It has been such a major source of, of information for me. You know, I've been writing for sportslogos.net for, for a long time. When I started writing with uh, Chris Kramer, one of the first things he said was go follow this site, go follow MILB promos. Cause there's, you know, you're always going to catch the, uh, the, the latest news there. So, I just, you know, just let's let's jump right in. What made you, if you can remember, 10 years ago, what made you start MILB promos? What made you start promoting these these things that other teams are are doing out there? So that it's funny you mentioned that stuff because I remember following Chris Creamer when that page first came out. I mean, who knows how long I've been reading your articles because <laughs> my brother and I, as long as I can remember, would design sports uniforms. You know, we'd draw out our little helmet and jersey and pads and here we go you know baseball teams and football teams and we had our own teams and stuff like that i mean we just on road trips and stuff we just seem to design sports we were always into uniforms and into logos and stuff like that so man we've been i've been on chris creamer sites for decades now so that's funny to hear but um but yeah about 10 years ago um i've always been a minor league baseball fan in particular um we did a lot of minor league baseball games growing up road trips to go to vacations and my dad always knew hey if we're on the way to do this Let's stop at this ballpark on the way. You know, it, it wasn't always the big ones. You know, we uh, would stop in uh, Norfolk, Virginia and see the tides. We'd stop in Altoona, Pennsylvania. We'd, we'd stop in Memphis. We'd, you know, you're just passing by to go somewhere. We're going to go to see the Kane County Cougars. We're in town, Chicago visiting fans. And we're not going to go to the Cubs or the White Sox. We're getting some cheap tickets and put our feet up on the dugout. So um, that was kind of my upbringing. You know, my dad. Uh, coached high school sports, football, baseball, basketball. He did whatever he could. He loved being around that stuff. Um, but in summers, it was going to baseball games. So um, after a while, I was in it and, you know, into baseball. And then it uh, was kind of like, well, you know, my local team, what are they giving away? And I'd start charting out. I have notepads in my phone or I'd have a desktop book and stuff like that. And I'd write out, all right, here's what they're giving away on this date. Here's what they're giving away this date. Well, if I'm checking out this team, who else is in drivable distance? So back then you'd pull up MapQuest and see, all right, I'm on two hours away from the next team over and an hour and a half from this team. So then I was, well, what do these teams have? And then it kind of turned into like, man, I wonder what everyone does, you know? And then you realize, oh, geez, there's 160 of these guys. You know, you, you didn't realize how much, how far it reaches. I knew there was a lot of minor league teams, but until you start to track them and, you know, Twitter had been a thing by 10 years ago. So that's where it started out. And I'm just going to go through and try and find all 160 of these teams and follow them and go from there. So I built it in the uh, early months. It was January, I believe, of 2013. And just put the account out there and started following those teams. And then I kind of just put a notebook together. And here's what's happening on April 4th. Here's what's happened on April 5th. And 
that was a time-consuming process. It's evolved a little bit more since then, but that's how I did it. I'd sit around the off-season and have a notebook and write down the days. So when that day rolled around, I knew what to tweet out. And the weekends were busier than the weekdays. But, it, yeah, it just kind of grew out to, hey, what's my team giving away? You know, if I'm going to get tickets and go see, I want to get the tickets where they're giving something away. Why am I just going to go to a random one? I might as well go where I can get a Casey Stengel bobblehead or something like that. So it just kind of grew from there, and it just was – who else can I follow? Who else is giving something away? What else is out there? Now, you threw out the number 160, which, of course, was was the number of minor league baseball teams before the Vogon Destructor Fleet came through and reorganized the minors. But that's affiliated teams. You are wearing a Dub C Fish Sticks shirt right now. So obviously you have an interest in the collegiate summer levels and the independent teams. You've branched out beyond just the affiliated teams, which I'm sure has had a multiplying effect on the amount of time that you spend on it. What, uh, you know, what, what's the sort of baseline for where, you know, where you have to draw the line on like, okay, I can't, I can't, I can't tweet this one out. Like there's a, that's too far. Yeah. You know, that's funny. Cause it just kind of is a, a gut feeling like some of them, it like it was just affiliated teams for the longest time. And then probably right around COVID I started noticing more, I need to let's follow some more of these teams. Some of them do a lot of stuff. And some of them I had put on the account before, but never really followed, you know, the, the Long Island Ducks been doing it for a long time. They've got a lot of famous stuff out there. And then even, you know, the bananas were making noise even before they were doing world tours. So, you know, you started hearing of some of those guys. So it's like, well, I, you know, I'll follow a couple independent teams. And then it was, I guess I might as well follow all the independent teams. So, you know, you follow the American association and the frontier league and, um, and then it started, boy, some of these collegiate leagues are bigger than the other ones. So you can kind of gauge based on what they put out on social media. Um, you know, the, the bigger leagues seem to have more involved social medias, more involved websites that will have their um, promos out there. Um, but once you get down to that level, um, you the, the certain days they'll do will stand out more than the other. They don't seem to have as many theme nights, but every once in a while you'll see hey, the Tri-Cities Chili Peppers are going to wear grass skirts. You know, that's really something you should acknowledge. So after you get past the independence and you get past that, some of those teams um, have pretty good followings. But beyond that, it's just kind of a gut feeling and, you know, what deserves to be out there. You, you know, you start to realize what are – you start to learn after 10 years what, what do people want to read about. And if I remember, it's not just you following the teams. I feel like I remember a point, and correct me if I'm wrong here, where you tweeted out about how you were now being followed back by all of the teams or most of the teams. Are you followed by every team in affiliated minor league baseball? It, at least an affiliated ball. Yeah. There, I had a list for a while because I started tracking it probably four or five years ago. I, and I had a list. There was like 10 teams that all, cause you know, it says follows you or whatever right next to it on Twitter. And you know, we branched out to Instagram and stuff and I never really checked all those other ones, but on Twitter, I was down to like 10 teams. So I started tweeting at them. And then went down to a couple more. It was down to like Toledo and the Iowa Cubs. And there was one or two others. Um, and I finally got down. And yeah, finally the last couple went in. And I don't know what it was. If a new intern got in or <laughs> if I covered something, they finally realized, oh, we're not following this one. But yeah, we finally completed it a couple years ago. That got all affiliated. And, and it, it's funny. Sometimes that's where you'll learn about a new collegiate level team, you know, the independents are pretty well covered out there, but a collegiate level team sometimes will start following me and I'll click and say like, who are these guys? And you'll jump in and read about, okay, someone else is growing from here. Let's see what they do. And, you know, they could tag me in something. Maybe you'll give them a retweet and, 
you know, kind of see what they turn into. But yeah, it's a, I, I do have all the affiliates following me now. We finally completed that a couple of years ago. Awesome. You're tweeting about all different kinds of promotions. You know, you've got alternate brands, they've got food items, you know, there's the giveaways. Are there specific types of promotions that you find as you're tracking, you know, social media reactions? Are there ones that get the biggest response, you know, specific subset of promotions that get a bigger response than others? It's the, it's the alternate identities. I mean, it's, and it was mostly the food ones, but Food ones do a great job. It's just there's two different goals out there. It seems like when you're doing an alternate identity or a food identity, because sometimes you really want to nail down your local culture and your community. In, and that can be the goal. We're going to put this out there and have this alternate identity that really even clicks more with our area. The turbo tubs, for example, I'd never heard about that troll that lived under the bridge or the porcelain tub races or any of that stuff. So that really nails down the community. And man, that seemed like it really, as much as a brand new baseball team in Wichita did, that seemed to, to, to rouse up the local area even more. But some of them, while it can be a local tie-in, everyone's heard of a hoagie sandwich. So something can be really neat and you can be the Lehigh Valley hoagies and something like that. And that, that those are the ones that seem to garner the most response where it is local and you know it's local, but it really can hit anyone nationwide. You know, the bacon and the hoagies are, I mean, Lehigh Valley's got quite a few of them, but the ones that are food, the tacos out in Fresno, the identities that hit that are local, but middle America's had tacos, Philly cheesesteaks, something else before, and you can understand why it's a local flavor for them. Those are the ones that seem to hit. I'm a bobblehead guy myself. That's why I started following all of them. Want to see, I wanted giveaways. I wanted bobbleheads. That That's what I was tracking and, and giveaways have grown themselves beyond just bobbleheads, but it's the alternate identities and the food identities and stuff that definitely get the most response. How early will you get to a game when there's a bobblehead giveaway? It's not as early anymore with kids, man. That is <laughs> tough. I got around in the little ones now, but I've done an hour and a half before an hour before, you know, it's, if it's a team I've done, I kind of can know the time frame. Uh, but if it's a new one and we're, I mean, we, uh, stopped in Charlotte on the way down to Florida this past year. It's my first time in Charlotte. Man, amazing ballpark. Well, that view, unbelievable. But they were giving away uh, those jerseys that a patient at the local children's hospital designed. And we were pumped to get them. I've got two littles with me. We really wanted to get one. I had no idea how early you needed to be to get there. So we aimed for about 45 minutes. Our hotel was down the street. We walked and luckily we got a pair of them. But it's trying to convince my wife and kids to go, we kind of got to stick this out and we need to be there early. I don't know how quick they're going to disappear, you know? So it's, it, I've been there pretty early, but it's not as early as it used to be. So I, I actually have a, a tradition of driving people crazy to get to baseball games early. And one time it really super paid off where it was a 4th of July game years ago. I mean, this must've been 10, maybe even 12 years ago. And my kids were both real little. Uh, we went to the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. And it was a 4th of July game, but there was a fireworks ban because of a drought. And so oh. they had sold all these tickets. They sold out the game on the strength of we're going to have a fireworks night. And they always sell out fireworks nights. But then they couldn't do fireworks nights. So then they are going to bring in not the San Diego chicken. It, it, I mean, it is the San Diego chicken, but I guess he was going by the famous chicken because he wasn't San Diego anymore. So the San Diego chicken, we'll call him that, was coming in. And so I got us to the game an hour and a half early just because. But the, the San Diego chicken is there because they wanted to give us something because they weren't going to have fireworks. So then the fireworks ban lifted. And they were able to do the fireworks after all, but they still had the San Diego chicken booked. 
So it was like sort of everybody wins. But we got to the game like right when gates opened. I mean, it was like plenty early. And we're walking around the concourse. And this like super tall, lanky guy comes up and and goes straight to my like then like four year old daughter and is like, would you like to go out on the field and play a baby chicken with the San Diego chicken? And she, of course, is terrified. And she's like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yes, you do. You definitely want to do this. It's going to be amazing. So sure <laughs> enough, she did. And she got to dress as a baby San Diego chicken, went out on the on the field and the the. The gig was she was baby chick number one. There were four of them. And the 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 joke was everything that the San Diego chicken did, the chicks all did behind him. And so like the first thing he did was like lift his leg like he was peeing on the umpire. And then the next thing, you know, Maya comes up behind, lifts her leg, crowd erupts. And Maya was like born to a a, a life of uh, show stardom after that. She was just like, oh, my. the next morning at breakfast, she goes, remember last night when I was famous? <laughs> There's definitely some magic in getting to the ballpark early enough, especially you can look out with stuff like that. But sometimes even when there's not anything happening, you could look out. There's not much happening. Maybe a guy's dragging his feet. Maybe he's warming up later. I went to a Toledo Mud Hens game. We showed up there early to tech check out the ballpark. Downtown's beautiful down there. And uh, we get there. They're playing Buffalo. Buffalo's in town. And this was right after Muinori Kawasaki had gone viral, but got sent back down to AAA. All the players are done. No one else is warming up. And there's Muni out there jogging back and forth, getting his warm-ups in. And I'm there. And I said, that's freaking Muinori Kawasaki. And they're like, who? The guy in the – you had to see it on YouTube, but he gives the hilarious interviews. And I sprinted to the team shop and got a baseball and came out right down. There were a couple fans already waiting for him in their Blue Jays stuff. A couple, I think, had a – might have been the jersey played in Japan. Um, but they were there waiting on the baseballs. And I got right in line with them. I still have the baseball. Yunori Kawasaki. I mean, that just you you can get some magic getting there early enough, whether there's a giveaway or not. I love that story. That's a great, great story. I've been writing for sportslogos.net for roughly the same amount of time that you've been doing your MILB promos. I feel like I have, you know, my my focus is explicitly on the branding, either the alternate brands or the the permanent brands. And I feel like, you know, in 10 years, I've seen quite a bit of change in the minor league baseball landscape especially when it comes to branding and identities how have you seen the the nature of promotions or have you seen the nature of promotions change over the course of the 10 years you've been doing this it uh social media has added to it i mean 10 years ago facebook and stuff's around but twitter was relatively newer um instagram was relatively newer so social media has grown this stuff because that's part of it also i need to release this brand that way it gets seen on social media to sell tickets sell merchandise sell that stuff we can auction off the jerseys that are going to raise funds for whatever charity we're doing. All that stuff gets involved. So um, when I'm first doing it 10 years ago, the, the biggest one, the first one that hit was when Fresno did Ninja Turtles night. And I don't know how I was up late one night and they put out the four jerseys that were going to vote. And I grabbed onto that and send it out. And I'm next morning, I'm waking up and I've got DMs from the ESPN assignment desk. I've got DMs from the MILB network and they all want to, Hey, can we do something with this tweet? And I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely fine with me. You know, I'm just a couple thousand followers in. And so I was on, uh, what, what was the intentional talk? I was on intentional talk and then sports center covered it and started talking about, so that was one of the first ones that hit, um, you know, shortly after that, within the next year or so was when the bacon uniforms came out for Lehigh Valley. And then the identities went from there. So that stuff has grown, um, to making it 
social media. We want it to hit. And so, so it's not just a giveaway. It's not just I'm trying to sell tickets locally. It's what impact can we make? Can we sell merchandise on this stuff? And I think we've seen merchandise sales grow. Teams have started to learn beyond, hey, you know, just be having a nickname for a team that's different. I can't just be uh, the same nickname as my parent club. If I have something a little bit different that stands out, I might sell a little bit more merchandise, which I think we're going to see something unique coming up with Rome next week, finally uh, moving on from the Braves name. Not that they ever not want to be affiliated with the Braves. That's Braves country down there. But I think they're going to see a big growth in people getting noticed, acknowledging them, buying merchandise, going to games when they grow their own brand. So that kind of stuff has itself. I'm going to grow a brand beyond my own brand. I'm going to have a, an identity that gets even bigger than what we've got. And, and we've even seen now minor league baseball as a whole take initiatives to try and get everyone involved in this. Hey, this is such a great idea. I'm going to have a hundred of these teams do this. Like the Copa identities. Those, are, I mean, are consistently fantastic. It's so hard to look at those and go, boy, this is the best one because then you go two down the list. And it's like, well, this is the best one. They're just so well done. So, you know, we've seen the nine initiative grow. Uh, we've seen Marvel got involved with Defenders of the Diamonds. So it, it started with social media getting noticed that way and growing it. And now it's, man, we can have an entire league worth of identities that all fit into this, uh, that, that all fit into the same idea. So that's the way it's grown. It's just to see the different identities are the biggest thing now, but how they're shared across all of minor league baseball. Given that there's been so much growth and there's so many different kinds of promos and there are more and more teams doing them. You know, one of the things I've tracked as, as I've done this podcast and as I've written for sportslogos.net is just just noticing how much more we're seeing of this even at the independent level the collegiate summer level i can only imagine that tracking all of this and posting about it i mean we talked about it when we first started it's a huge time investment do you have a sense for how much time you actually put in per day or per week on on doing this it starts to add up on the weekends and that's when it's the busy saturday is the busiest day for it i try to be up early and I'm on my socials and I'm trying to track. I have a little bit of an idea of who's got stuff because they seem to be tweeting out that week. We've got this coming up on Saturday and I need to make sure I notice some. But I literally at that morning, because when I used to do the notebooks, promos would change. Teams would have rainouts. This would get moved. These I'd give away didn't show up. And I was I was I missed some and I was disappointed in myself when that happened. So now it's a, it's a Saturday thing. I'm up before the kids. I'm tracking these socials. I'm going to these teams' websites. Then I'm going to see if I can find a picture of it. I'm loading up that tweet and saving it. So Saturday mornings, you know, Fridays and Sundays are also pretty busy, but those Saturday morning mornings, they can start to add up. And so I got to take a break here and there. I got to go get a breakfast ready for this one, or we got to go do this in the morning. So they get broken up. So I try to get out the tweets I can and then load up the other ones later, you know. So I don't try to put a time frame on it. I'm afraid I'd scare myself off if I did, but but it does start to add up. But luckily, um, you know, even um, my oldest is is four um, and he's known for a little bit. I'll give daddy just a second. He's doing his baseball stuff. Let me finish up this one. I'll save it and I'll be right with you, dude. So my wife's completely supportive of it. I've been doing it since before I met her. Um, so she's completely supportive, um, you know, and she finds her own uh, enjoyment and going to the games and, and seeing what I'm putting out. And she's going to hear me talk about it, whether she wants to hear it or not. But um, so having that support system also helps, but yeah, it, it does start to add up. The, the, the time sure does. <laughs> I once had a, a friend say to me, uh, so it was shortly after I found myself single for the first time in a long time. And uh, I've got this massive shelf of, of ice cream helmets out here in the, in the basement. And I, I have friends say to me, she said, 
Paul, if you, uh, you know, if you bring home a woman and you bring her down to the basement and she sees this shelf and doesn't run away, she's the one. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds, sounds like you found you're the one the same way. Yeah. Here, so. yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> um, in terms of building a, a, a brand, you know, you have built a brand for MILB promos, but we talked a little bit before, uh, you know, before, before we started recording here about how this is not about you. And, you know, I've been following you for a long time. I've never seen a picture of you on your own social media accounts. Didn't know your name until tonight, right? Like, so what is the thinking behind, in in a world of shameless self-promotion, not promoting yourself, right? This is this is pretty selfless, This uh, the amount of time you spend dedicated to promoting you know, other, other businesses and other organizations and other, and other people and not yourself really at all. And I was, I was, I was grateful that you agreed to this, this interview, because I wasn't sure if you would want to be in, in, you know, as public a place as a, as a podcast about minor league baseball. So I'm curious about the, the decision to use this space and your considerable number of followers to promote other people rather than yourself. Yeah. At this point, it just feels I, I feel fortunate to have those kind of followers and a following. You know, you see plenty of accounts out there that it's this kind of account and they're basing it on this, but it's about them. And then for whatever reason, I just had the thought when I'm out there, I want this to be about the teams that are actually putting in the work. Those interns that don't get paid, that actually put in the work or that guy that's early in his journey in sports business that is putting in the work. And I just want it to be. I'm the guy that's sharing them. I'm I'm the one place to come together. And like I said, all this started with just I wanted this account for me tracking what these teams were giving away. Whether 100 people started following or 500 people started following, and almost 25,000 now. Um, I wanted to be something I enjoyed reading, and I had at one stop shop where I could come back and see. Um, and it just kind of grew from there. And I think that's helped it. Um, I think it's helped it in the fact that uh, I had a meeting one time with the guys from Brandios. I was talking with them and catching up and um, seeing, you know, how we could work together, what we could do on some other stuff. And they kind of opened my eyes and said, well, you're, you're the newsletter for minor league baseball. You're the newsletter that all the interns read. And I guess I never saw it that way. You know, I just kind of was this Twitter account, but it, it would make sense. Boy, you get into this business the first time, where do I find the information, what everyone else is doing? Well, I guess it'd be this Twitter account. So for me, it was just kind of, I just needed a, a logo and, and something to put out there to, to follow the teams that I could, you know, then track myself with these teams were getting away. And then it just kind of grew from there. I, I, I didn't want it to be like I was focusing on some teams more than the other. So I didn't want to be even about the area I was from. Um, but I just needed about the account and kind of a one-stop shop where all of these were. You have tweeted about your logo in the past. Did you create your own logo or did you have that done? Yeah, uh, we had that done. It was uh, Cooper Branding. Uh, he, the guy that's working on my T-shirts now, he's all done all that stuff. Um, he's got a company himself where he's uh, selling shirts and he's working on another one that can help um, sell shirts to raise money for charity and stuff like that. And he's got a project where he's going to have them all um, coming together. But uh, he helped with my logo originally, kind of when he was getting first started out with some of that stuff. And then within the last couple of years, we started getting together and saying, hey, this 10th anniversary is coming up. Let's see if we can redo the logo and then build something up uh, into this 10th anniversary logo. So this 10th we've got, um, up until January, I guess I just got a couple more months of it was where we started. And then the new logo we went to last year, I think it was last year, or the year before, um, was based off of that. So we could build from there. So we, you know, we kind of took that generic, uh, bobblehead amongst the red and blue minor league baseball logo, kind of what it looked like and just kind of brought the bobblehead more to life and everything. So yeah, he was a great help and he was great to volley back and forth um with that kind of stuff to give i can give him my ideas and what i wanted to see out there and he was great at taking it and turning it into a logo 
we're thinking about we have a, a road trip that we do with uh, college friends every year. It's called Baseball Palooza, and we see mm-hmm. uh, four games and four ballparks over four days. And we've been talking about like we should have a logo for for Baseball Palooza here. And so now you're looking at your logo on online. I'm, I'm sort of inspired to 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 work on a on a logo for Baseball Palooza. I do notice that you've got as part of the 10th anniversary logo, you have. Uh, a wink and a nod to the what is now the old minor league baseball logo before they switched it over to be a emulation of the major league baseball logo. So it's uh, but it's got three stars instead of four, which I I don't know it sort of works pretty well actually I think. So I, I like I like your uh, your MILB spoof logo there that you have as as part of your tenth anniversary logo. Yeah, that was quite a unique. I didn't expect to see them having a new logo coming out this year. That kind of thing all us out of nowhere i was you know we all knew this one baseball umbrella thing was coming but i guess i didn't see a new logo something that was coming but it seems to keep um popping up everywhere it does and it's and chris and i talked about this on the 100th episode of of this podcast but like the fact that it's like two different shades of blue feels like so so corporate right like i mean if you study logo design like using blue is like IBM, right? Like, I mean, that's, it just feels so like lifeless and corporate to me. So, yeah, I mean, it's lowercase letters in white. I mean, it's yeah. Blue and yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It, you, you took one and pasted a different color on it and yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious to know whether there are, you know, I feel like when I'm on social media, there are a couple of teams out there where I have almost a, a relationship with, with those teams you know, I can count on them responding if I tag them. Uh, others, you know, there are there are some teams I've reached out to probably a dozen times to try to get them on the podcast, and I can't get a response. And then there are some that come to me saying, hey, we'd love to be on your podcast sometime if that works out. I'm curious to know whether you have specific teams that you have a, a particularly good relationship with, ones that you work closer with than others. You know, it actually seems like it can vary. Ten years into this now, it seems like, I don't know if it changes with the intern or the person in charge of it or just maybe their attack plan for how much they want to put out on social, but it really seems like it can vary. I used to have a great relationship with the uh, Frisco Rough Riders. Um, They used to tag me and stuff quite a bit, and they even sent me a hat one time to say thanks. Um, And then we actually went to a game at Frisco, and I was excited to go out there and then didn't get much of a response back. And it is what it is. I'm not no hard feelings or anything like that, Um, but I was just saying, hey, I'm going to be out there. I covered the ballpark anyways. Um, but some teams are really, oh man, you're going to be here. We saved a first pitch for you. Oh man, you're going to be here. We did the Florence y'alls a couple years ago and boy, they sat us up in the suite that was empty and showed us what those were like. They saved us one of their unicorn, uh, ice cream helmets and stuff like that to try. So, um, some teams really get involved. I seem to get more teams are starting to realize, Hey, if we tag him on Instagram or Twitter, it's a better chance it's going to get shared. Not that I'm ignoring any of them, but if I'm tagged, it's a lot easier to find where the other ones I just kind of get when I'm scrolling through. So the relationships are, are they can change. Someone comes in and out of the office that didn't used to be there or someone comes in from somewhere else. Um, they seem like they can change quite a bit. So every couple of years, they kind of rotate through. So we, we try to support them all, but sometimes they, some teams just make it easier. I have some teams where it must be that, you know, whoever was running the social media accounts changed over. Cause like I had a real, I felt like I had a really good relationship with the team. And then all of a sudden it was just like, what did I do? And then I realized these, these positions surely change in the landscape of, of minor league baseball. Some don't even survive the off season. I don't think. 
I think that that's true. Yeah. But for, for whatever reason on social media, anyway, I feel like I have a particularly good relationship with the Las Vegas aviators. Um, and when I, when I went to a, a game there and I got their ice cream thing and I, they, they made a huge deal out of the fact that I posted a picture of me at an aviators game with an ice cream thing. And <laughs> so that, that made me, that made me pretty happy. Do you see any trends that you know are developing now that will become a big deal sort of down the line are there is there anything going on in the world of minor league baseball promos that that you're just seeing the seeds of now well it, it grew from the food identities and to then being just a complete alternate identity you know you didn't necessarily have to be something food related whereas that's how most of them started you could grow from there and we can have an entire second identity that we wear weekly now. Um, and those are still happening. We're seeing more of those identities that aren't necessarily the food identities. I can just come up with my whole, I can have a whole second team almost, you know, it seems like um, from, from here it's growing to uh, the bobbleheads are growing more into replica jerseys. I don't know if someone found someone that makes those for a lot cheaper or make them easier to give away or whatever it is. We're seeing a ton of replica jersey. Those seem to be the giveaway right now. So that's where that has grown. Um, but the thing I'm really starting to notice is ways to get people in the ballpark, maybe even when a game isn't happening. Uh, maybe there's teams having a kickball league. I saw Nashville starting a pickleball league. We've got movies going on at the ballpark. Um, you're, we're trying to find ways uh, to use these things beyond the 60 times a year we've just got games there. So they're getting really creative with it. And I think part of it happened when we had to go an entire year where those ballparks didn't get used. Some teams were selling their food out of the concession stands to people that needed, wanted the support, you know, so teams got really creative in 2020. And I think we're seeing some of that still lingering around a little bit. I've got full-time employees. I can do something with the off season between these meetings. What if we hosted a high school football game? What if we, you know, what else can we do to get people in? And those are the things you read about when a new ballpark's coming out. We're opening, we need an entertainment venue. We're going to open a ballpark. I need apartments out here. I need something going on here, but I need a reason to bring people to this area beyond just when it's game day. Those are the number ones. It's game day is the reason to get there, but what else can I do to get people through the gates? Do you feel like, have you seen a change in, in terms of, you know, as you're communicating with teams since the reorganization and major league baseball's takeover of minor league baseball have the promotions changed at all in your mind? I don't know if the promotions have changed more than just kind of what I was explaining, but I do see more teams doing it. You asked mm -hmm. earlier about summer collegiate teams. You asked more about independent teams. You know, you see teams, the Frederick keys started an entire second team to see, Hey, maybe we want to be in the Atlantic league instead of the draft league. You know, teams are trying things. So it's, it just is more teams doing it. The, the formula is out there. Um, you can get out and, and see what's going on, what's working and you can try something because if people aren't showing up to your games, what's the worst thing that's going to happen. You'll get a couple more butts in the seats or you're going to have the same number you always had. You might as well keep trying something, see what works. And every community is going to be different. Some are better if they have more food identities. Some are better with giveaways. Some are better with discounted tickets. Try some stuff and see what works in your area because your fans will show you. So that's not necessarily that uh, what's changed. It's just you see more teams doing it and more teams trying it pretty far down the ladder. We're seeing alternate identities about as far down as you can get in summer collegiate baseball. So it's neat to see the stuff working and then trickling its way down to help anyone out because anyone that wants to go see baseball I bet it's nearby. So go find some fun teams in your area. There's something to see uh, and see what fun stuff they're doing. Because if that team's not, try looking in the other direction. There might be another team there that's doing something to get your butt in the seat. 
What a perfect note to end on. Jake, this is so much fun to have finally gotten to meet you face-to-face, such as it is on, on Zoom. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to me about this. This is uh, your... You're a celebrity in the minor league baseball world, and and uh, it's been a pleasure to to chat with you. Paul, awesome to meet you finally. Glad we could finally talk, and we should catch up sometime. Well, we will we will talk offline about that, about where we might be able to catch up at, at a ball game, catch a catch a a giveaway bobblehead and an alternate identity and an ice cream helmet at a ball game. Jake, thank you so much. It's been a blast. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, everyone, welcome back. It is time for Studio Simon Stumpers. Dan Simon of Louisville-based Studio Simon is here for his weekly check-in, his weekly trivia question. I'm on a bit of a streak right now. I've got a streak of two in a row going, which uh, after the schneid that I was on prior to that feels pretty good. Dan, how are you? (laughs) I am, as always, Fantastic. Busy as all get out. But as everyone tells me when they ask how I'm doing and I talk about how busy I am, they all say that's a good thing. So um, I'll take their word for it. And so um, I'm busy, but that's a good thing. All right. Well, we've we are recording this in logo Vember, but uh, I can imagine that you're busy. And and at the time of this recording, you've had a very recent unveiling of the very popular Rome Emperor's logo that we talked about last week. This has been a really fun episode for me. I got to speak with Jake of MILB Promos. And uh, we got into, you know, this is a podcast about uh, minor league baseball logos and nicknames and identities. And so certainly we talked about, you know, some of the alternate identities, the food-based identities, uh, the COPA, the Marvel program, but then also some of like my favorite things. I love a ballpark giveaway, right? Like we got into the the, the bobbleheads that they give away and getting to the game early to make sure that you uh, get yours or like the special food items and just the promotional nights, like when the teams are wearing like a Star Wars uniform or, or you know, there's appearances by special uh, celebrities and that sort of thing. So we we were a little bit all over the place in this episode. So I'm sort of curious to to see how you might channel that into a Studio Simon Stumper. Before we get to the Stumper though, I'm curious Dan, what's your what's your feeling on ballpark giveaways? Is it something that excites you or uh you know, are you are you too cool for that? Do you, do you not do you not have a shelf for ice cream helmets and bobbleheads and uh minor league baseball knickknacks and trinkets that they're giving away with bank logos on them or whatever. Well, here in the North American headquarters of Studio Simon um, in Louisville, Kentucky, as you mentioned, again, we, we often talk about how this is an audio medium and you can't see what I can see behind Paul and Paul can see behind me. But from what what can be seen, if you look in the very distance there, you can see two bobbleheads um, in the corner there. I and do. There are one, two, three, four, five. Um, this is the part of the podcast where Dan counts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's at least five others that I've got here in the office. And uh I, I would say that of all the the things that I've received 
walking into a ballpark as a as a giveaway. Um, bobbleheads are my favorite. To me, they're yeah. the they're the they're the not just the quintessential uh, promo item, but the quintess or you know giveaway, but the the quintessential baseball merchandise thing. Mm. You know they they go way way back. As a matter of fact, one of those bobbleheads in the distance there was a gift to me by my great friend George Mazio. And it it's I think it's from the 50s. Um, the one next to it, they're both those are both Yankee bobbleheads. The one next to it is one I bought outside of Yankee Stadium. I know I bought that in the 70s. So I've got so I've got a couple of pretty old bobbleheads there. For the listener at home, the uh, distinct change in audio quality there was Dan turning around and talking into the corner of his studios while looking at the bobbleheads off there in the corner. So. Uh, you would think by this time, how many of these have I done with you? We're 40-something We're in the 40s, in. yeah. You'd think I would know not to turn around and talk <laughs> in the other direction. So uh, my apologies, <laughs> listeners. I, I could be stupid sometimes. Um, Come on, that's a terrible word. It, it was it was a real-life moment. That's what podcasting's all about here. So speaking of bobbleheads, our studio Simon Stumper today is about bobbleheads. Mm -hmm. So um, here we go. In 2012, one of the bobbleheads that the Bradenton Marauders at Pittsburgh Pirates affiliate gave away that season um, was one of Trevor Gooby. I will spell that for you. It is G-O-O-B-Y, Gooby. Um, who was at the time the Pirates Director of Florida Operations, okay? Yeah. So again, this was given away by the Bradenton Marauders, so okay. Florida State League, single-A affiliate of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah. Um, I assume that listeners of this podcast know who Kevin Gooby is. Trevor Gooby, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, We're doing great. Okay, so... Um, our studio assignment stumper today asks, what was the bobblehead of Trevor Gooby holding? Was it A, a fish, B, a baby, mm. or C, a boa constrictor? Oh, okay. There's usually one that I try to eliminate right away. And I always worry that I'm jumping to conclusions. I am going to say not the baby. So I'm, I'm eliminating the baby right away because and a lot of people have babies. And I know everyone who's ever had a baby, it you know, feels like they're the only one that ever happened to, but you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to say not a baby. I'm going to assume that Trevor Gooby, <laughs> Trevor Gooby did not rescue like a baby from a burning building or something. So I'm going to say not, not the baby. The fish one appealed quite a bit when you said it, because I thought oh, he must've won he must have won some like fishing contest and, you know, the team made a big deal out of it by, uh, you know, by celebrating that win, you know, celebrating that contest or celebrating his love for fishing or something with ho him holding a fish. But even that felt a little too pedestrian when you said a boa constrictor. And so I am going to say. I can see the rationale for a baby one if he rescued a baby from a burning building. I can see the fish one if he had won like some some fishing contest, especially there in Florida, right? Like some deep sea fishing contest. 
but the boa constrictor, maybe the guy just like was a huge fan of exotic pets or something. And that's what made him unique. And that's what made that a fun bobblehead to do. So I am going to go understanding that all three of these are realistic and, and could be pretty good. I am going to go see boa constrictor. Um, I actually thought it was pretty funny that you eliminated a baby right away. And the reason was funny because a lot of people have babies. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yes, a lot of people don't have boa constrictors and, right. you know, fish, but uh, that was, I just, for whatever reason, that struck me as a funny reason to eliminate that. Um, normally when you eliminate something immediately, yeah. I even if you don't get the answer correct, I think you're, it's been my observation, and I don't know if it's a correct observation, that you are, you are accurate in your, your eliminations, mm -hmm. that, that immediate elimination. I see where uh, this is going. In general. But in this case, you could not have been more wrong. <laughs> <laughs> because um, Trevor Gooby's bobblehead was triumphantly holding in his hands with his arms outstretched lion king style yeah a baby boy and it actually um i don't know if his head bobbled in this bobblehead but i do know that his arms bobbled it oh, was a nice. bobble arm and it may have also had a bobble head um but the arms <laughs> bobbled so Here's the story behind it. The baby was not rescued. He did not rescue a baby from a burning building. But <laughs> what he what he did do was was uh, pretty remarkable. So here's the story. During a February 25th open house at McKechnie Field, the, the spring training home of the Pittsburgh Pirates and the regular season home of the Bradenton Marauders, um, expectant mother Letitia Kirk went into labor. Uh, while they were waiting for the ambulance to arrive, um, Letitia Kirk, who was not due for another five weeks, informed Trevor Gooby, this baby's coming. Um, she gave one push, out popped the baby into Trevor Gooby's awaiting hands. Um, now, here's, here's something great about it, um, as if that's not great enough. Um, they named the baby McKechnie after the 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 field now i hope i'm not it's spelled mckechney i'm nice. assuming it's pronounced mckechney I, I i apologize to uh mr mckechney if, I'm, if your <laughs> name is actually mr mckechney also um, you should apologize to that baby right um yeah but how cool would it have been if they named the baby gooby <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great my my only wish is that uh, that there was a bobblehead out there of Kevin Gooby holding a boa constrictor, and maybe that's what I was thinking of. I was thinking of Kevin. I wasn't thinking of Trevor. Well, let me tell you the reason for the boa constrictor okay. um, uh, option. Mm -hmm. When I was trying to think of what the two other possibilities would be, I don't even remember what I was doing, but I saw an old baseball card of an infielder for the Atlanta Braves named Glenn Hubbard. Oh, yeah. And in that baseball card, that particular one, you know, he, he played for a number of years, so he would have had several that were, that featured him. Um, he was holding around his neck a, or he had around his neck draped 
a large snake. And it was big enough that I think it very well could have been a boa constrictor. Now, one of the other reasons, I, so that's what, what brought a snake to mind for me as a possibility. The other reason I mentioned that is, um, you know, the Bradenton Marauders, of course, are located in Florida. And boa constrictors are a problem there because yeah. people re release them and and they are they have multiplied to the extent where they are they so they're they're out in the wild now yeah and they are killing they're eating um wildlife yeah. in the everglades and other areas in which they are they they now call home yeah. uh, including deer and uh, whatever else is out there in the Florida Ever Everglades. So, yeah. and, and it's a problem there that to the extent that they are having, uh, they have, they allow boa constrictor hunters to go in and, and I think they reward them for, for um, capturing and killing these boa constrictors. Matter of fact, I just saw the other day, the second largest boa constrictor ever caught in the florida everglades was was caught and killed it was either 17 or 18 feet long yeah i'll tell you once these like huge predator species are introduced into an ecosystem like that like it's uh, the you know the idea of picking them off one at a time you know you might as well change the tide of the ocean with an eyedropper like this is yeah the uh boa constrictors are i don't know i don't know what they're going to do about that in florida I was hoping, Dan, I was hoping against hope for this uh, when you said that this question was going to be about bobbleheads, that it was going to be about the one that in 2008, I believe, the St. Saint Paul Saints did a bobble foot of U.S. Senator Larry Craig, who was arrested in the uh, – do you remember this story? He was arrested yes. in the Minneapolis in airport. In an airport, airport restroom. <laughs> the the bobble foot is just a – bathroom stall with two feet and the two feet bobble and uh that was one of the saint paul saints more outrageous promotions that you may not see now that they're a uh triple a affiliate so so much fun to be had out there with with bobbleheads it's a little dark behind me so you probably can't see it but over my my right shoulder here i've got a couple couple shelves with a bunch of bobbleheads on them and so i don't i don't actively collect them but if i go to a game when one is being given away uh, I make sure to get it and throw it on that shelf there. So anyhow, Dan, thank you so much. This has been so much fun once again. Can't wait to revisit Studio Simon Stumpers next week. As always, have a great week, Dan. See you in, see you in seven, as you like to say. Okay. I hope you have a great week as well. And uh, see ya. See ya.